0: Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stop Ridge Community Church. I just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope this message inspires you and encourages you. Enjoy today's message. We're going to read from Genesis 4-1 this morning. All right, here we go. Genesis 4-1 says, Adam made love to his wife, Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother, Abel. Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock But you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, thank you so much for the families here today. God, as we come through this Thanksgiving holiday, God has asked that you bless all these families, God, as they get ready to travel perhaps home. God, just thank you so much for what you're doing in this church and through our community. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 You may be seated. Thank you so much for being here today. If we haven't met, my name is Brandon Keller. Uh, I've been coming to this church for about 19 years now. Ooh, That's a long time. my family and I moved here from Nevada about 19 years ago, and, and we've called this our church home since we got here. Uh, my wife and I have been together for 31 years. We were high school sweethearts. Yeah, yep, that stuff still happens. Uh, and so uh, I have two beautiful daughters. I have a 21 year old in college at Lee University, and I have a 24 year old uh, who's been married and has our, our first grandchild that showed up this August. so uh, new grandfather also right now. And so yeah, exciting yeah, awesome. Um, I served several years here as a youth pastor as well. well i don't have the energy of chemo Jones. Uh, I, I did my best in my time there, but uh, so thankful for this opportunity for Jeff to uh, share his stage with me today. So today's message is going to be a little bit different if you already opened your bulletin, you realize that we're not going to have our usual fill-ins like we usually do. And that's because uh, when I started praying about what I was going to do this message on over the summer, God laid Cain and Abel on my heart. And I don't know why I've read this story a bunch, but for whatever reason, he just kept saying Cain and Abel, Cain and Abel to me. And so I just kept reading Cain and Abel over and over and over and over. I've been reading it for four or five months now. And every time I read it, God just revealed something new to me. Just every time I, even though I was reading the exact same words, every time I read it, God revealed something new to me. And so today, as we go through the story of Cain and Abel, that's what I hope for you, is that God and the Holy Spirit is going to reveal something to you. And I just want you to write that down in those note lines provided as we just break down the entire story of Cain and Abel and maybe how it applies to your life. So what I really wanted to talk about today is really, you know, this is the, the back story before we start with Genesis 4.1, in case you're new to church or new to the Bible, is Genesis 1 is the beginning. God creates the earth, then God creates Adam, and then he realizes Adam is lonely, so he creates Eve, and then Eve gets deceived by the serpent She eats from the tree, even though she's not supposed to. Then they lie to God about it, and they hide in the bushes. And then God kicks them out of the Garden of Eden. And then we pick up in Genesis 4 is where we started. So if we go back to verse 1 that we read, it says, Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now, Abel kept the flocks and Cain worked the soil. So Cain is the first human born on the earth. The first human born. No pressure, Cain. All of humanity rests on you. You are the first human born on this earth, right? But here's the important part. In verse 2, it says, Now Abel kept the flocks, and Cain worked the soil. So why is that important? Well, if we look back in Genesis 3.17, When Adam kicks, or sorry, when God kicks Adam and Eve out of the garden, it says, Adam, to Adam, God said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree from which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. So Adam cultivates the ground. He's a farmer, right? But he invites Cain to join in the family business. He invites Cain to, to, in this painful toil that he now has to do, he invites Cain to do that with him. And this is important because in ancient cultures, the firstborn son inherited all of the land. They didn't divvy things up 50-50 or anything like that amongst all the children because the idea was that If you had this one large plot of land, it would pass to the first son, everybody else was kind of on their own because if you kept divvying it up equally over time, the parcels of land would get so small that nobody would survive. And so the idea was for the family line to go on that at least the first son would get the entire land. And so this practice just had this strong rationale behind it. But the way I see this is the two brothers were raised quite differently. Cain gets to live at home. He works with his dad every day. He, you know, he has this, a strong mentor to kind of guide him through life. Um, And he doesn't really have to, you know, rely on himself too much because he's got his parents there. He's just learning how to, you know, till the ground and and all of that. And so he doesn't really get these skills of self-reliance. And so He's doing a job, though, but it's not much fun, right? Because it is painful toil. God said that it would be painful toil. But Abel is a shepherd out on the land. Abel, the second born, is is out on the land learning how to survive for himself, probably having to fight off wild animals, and really trying to, you know, make a way of himself out there. Probably not a lot of guidance uh, and exposure to the elements. Who here is a parent with more than two children or two children or more? Good? Yep, I have two daughters. And this is one thing I've learned as my life as a parent, and I've seen it in other parents as well, is your first child comes along and you are so protective. You are like, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to bathe you. I'm going to clothe you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to hover over you. Make sure you never touch anything that's hot. Never do anything wrong. Protect you at all costs. The second child comes along, you're like, good luck to you, kid. It's just like, may the odds be forever in your favor, right? It's just like... It's it's crazy how we do that with the second kid, and maybe that's what Abel was getting. Is like, Adam and Eve are like, go play with the animals outside. Good luck to you, right? It's just like, whatever happens, happens. And so, but if we pick up back in verse three. It says, in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. That sum is important, and Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from the some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Notice that it says Cain brought some of the fruits, but Abel brought the fat portions of the firstborn of his flock. So they both made an offering, but Abel was honoring God with the first of his flock, the first thing that he had earned. And so Proverbs 3, 9, it says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Same reason we talk about the tithe should be the first 10% of your earnings, right? Give the first fruits to God. So I read this also as like Cain made the decision to make an o- a sacrifice or an offering to God. And then Abel shows up with something better right behind him, right? So Cain, from what we know of this story, could be making what is the very first ever offering to God. They never talk about Adam and Eve doing this, but they say Cain made an offering, a sacrifice to God. So as far as we know, this could be the first one ever, right? And he wants to show God how much he means to him. And and so he says, here's some of my fruits. Thank you, God, for blessing me. Then Abel shows up right behind him. He's like, ha, 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 here's the fat of my calves, right? It's like, I got the first of what I'm bringing to you. And it's interesting because really Cain only has one person in the world that he could be comparing himself to in his brother Abel. And that's immediately what he does, right? He compares what Abel has done to what he has done in this situation. So imagine this. Imagine if I said right now, hey, you know what? Pastor Jeff and Rhonda mean so much to us. We want to do something special for them. So whatever you feel led to do, please do that now. And so you feeling led, you just jump up out of your seat. You walk down here to the stage, you put a $20 bill on the stage. You're like, I feel good about that. As you're walking back, the person sitting next to you right now, look at them. The person sitting next to you gets up, walks down here and puts a $100 bill on the stage right on top of your 20. You'd be like, Come on, you did that on purpose, right? Like, you intentionally did that to make me look bad, right? And then Pastor Jeff and Rhonda walk out here and they're like, Thank you so much for the $100 gift. That means so much to me. That's so generous of you. You'd be like, Why did you do that? Why did you make me look bad? I walked up there first, gave $20, and you walked up right behind me. Maybe you'd be angry and your face would be a little downcast as well, right? Maybe you're understanding what Cain was feeling in the situation. Because remember, Cain is the firstborn. He feels this sense of entitlement. He, everything is around Cain. He is the chosen child, the firstborn human, right? And, and even in this time of like the first uh, son is so important. So I'm sure Cain's anger was also rooted in a little bit of pride in the whole situation, Is right? You, you feel a little bit upset when you're, maybe your offering isn't accepted like your brother's was, But in this time, we're also talking about sacrifice of animals and plants. But sacrifices can look different than that as well. If you want to make things better in the future, you have to make sacrifices in the present. Do we agree with that? Right? If you can look to the future and go, what can I do now that's going to change my future? It usually looks like a sacrifice. And I feel like one place we all have to make sacrifices, whether you know it or not, we all make sacrifices for our health. Right, If not, we would have already been dead. Right? We're, we're making sacrifices. Like I can't eat every donut I see, although I try to. Right, I have to make some sacrifices. And so uh, I've been working out in the gym for, for many years. It doesn't look like it, but I, I do my best. Right, And so I go to the gym a lot for probably over a decade now. And, and so last year, I felt led to start a men's fitness group here at the church. So I started a small group, uh, and we were just going to work out together and we work out here at the church at 6 a.m. on Saturday morning. And so a bunch of guys, well, not really a bunch, because nobody wants to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning, I learned. Um, But a few guys show up here at the church uh, starting last fall, uh, and we started working out on Saturday mornings. And for me, it was just another workout, because I worked out during the week anyway. So I'm like, I'll work out on Saturday mornings also, meet a few guys along the way, get some fellowship, it'll be great. So for me, it was just another workout. But There was one member of our workout group that showed up, and maybe he had put on a little bit more weight than he wanted to. Can anybody relate to putting on some more weight than the Yes, you're right. And so he took the group a little more serious, and maybe something kind of triggered in him. And so we're going to call him Sean, because that's his name. So we'll call him Sean. (laughs) And so Sean showed up for group, and so he started working out on Saturdays, but he also joined a gym, and he started working out during the week and taking his son to the gym, and then uh, I found out, you know, Sean was kind of being a little more restrictive about what he ate. He was trying to be more self-conscious about what he ate and being careful about, we'd go to Chick-fil-A after our workout, and he'd get like the grilled nuggets instead of the fried nuggets, and I'm like, who does that? But, you know... (laughs) He was a little more careful, and then I found out Sean used to be a runner, and so Sean slowly started running again, and so we're like four or five months into into this group, and I look at Sean one day, and I'm like, Sean, have you lost weight? He said, yeah, I've lost over 40 pounds since we started this group, right? Amazing, amazing. I had lost exactly zero pounds. (laughs) I had been working out on Saturdays also, but Sean's sacrifice was much greater than mine. Right, we are both doing Saturdays, but Sean was doing so much more during the week that I never saw these sacrifices that were kind of done in secret, you know, just kind of on his own. He was willing to sacrifice when I wasn't, and so if Sean and I go someplace together and somebody's like, "Wow, Sean, you look fantastic," he's like, "Thank you." And they look at me like, "You look the same." I'm like, "I know," and so. That doesn't mean I should be mad at Sean, though, just because Sean sacrificed and got something that I was unwilling to sacrifice to get, right? And so maybe that's what Cain is thinking all of a sudden, like, oh, wait a second, maybe Abel did sacrifice more than me, or maybe he never had that thought. But that's kind of what, how I relate to that. And here's the interesting thing in this story, is that the story never specifically tells us why God preferred Abel's sacrifice. We, we, can, we can think it was because it was the first, and, and it was, maybe it was because it was meat instead of vegetables. Who knows? But the story never really tells us why Abel's sacrifice was accepted and Cain's wasn't. And I think it's important for us to realize that sometimes our sacrifices can fail. The sacrifices we make in life don't always lead to the results we want, right? We can try, we can put our mind to it, we can put our effort into it, we can go to the gym, we can restrict what we're eating, we can get up every morning and read the Bible, we can do all those things, but sometimes your sacrifices just come up short for your end goal, right? I'm sure everybody in this room has failed at something, right? You started a business that failed. You sacrificed for a relationship that just didn't work out. You got fired from a job that you absolutely loved, right? We've all made sacrifices and then not seen the results that we hoped for out of that. But what I think it's important here is to see how God reacts to Cain being angry. So if we go back to verse 6, it says, Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. So in other words, if you do the right thing, I'll accept you. He's encouraging him to do better, to to do more. He tells him exactly what the instructions are. Here's how you get here. Do better, and you will be accepted. And I think it's important because God does something here that I think we all need to do better at, and that is loving confrontation. When you see somebody acting a certain way that maybe you don't think is the right way, we need to have loving confrontation with that person and explain to them that they need to do better, right? I think we've gotten into a culture now of doing automatic affirmation where we just affirm everybody's feelings about a situation rather than having loving confrontation. Maybe somebody needs to have loving confrontation with you. I know some people need to have loving confrontation with me. So maybe we need to do more of giving and receiving of that loving confrontation and less of that automatic affirmation because that's what God does here for Cain. He doesn't just say, oh, I'm sorry you feel that way, right? He tries to encourage him. Here's what you need to do to get better because God doesn't call us to be average. God calls us to be amazing, right? To dream big, to do amazing things. Uh, In in Revelation 3.16, it's so great. It says, So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. God calls us to be on fire for him, to be, to achieve great things. So let me ask you this. One day you're going to stand before God. Do you want God to say, well done, good and faithful servant? Or do you want God to say, "Eh, decent job, you barely made it in? Right? Which one do you want to hear from God someday? And is the work you're doing, the sacrifices you're making, measure up to that bar of well done, good and faithful servant? What I love in this passage also is that God pursued Cain even when Cain was angry. Even when he was jealous and depressed with the situation, God made a point point to warn Cain of, hey, That feeling, that behavior is going to lead to something worse, to lead to this sinful situation. And often, getting into this comparison game can do that to us as well. We start comparing our life results to somebody else's, even though we feel like everything was great. As soon as you start comparing yourself to somebody else, all of a sudden, your results don't seem good enough, right? And that can lead to depression and anger and and jealousy, And let me tell you, when I'm angry, I don't make good decisions. Anybody else relate to that, right? Last week, Pastor Jeff said, you know, you go from angry to mad, like a mad dog because you just snap at things, right? When you're angry, you will make bad decisions. And so we have to be careful to protect ourselves from that anger. Psalm 37, 8 says, refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to evil, There's a great quote from the Jedi Master Yoda that says, once you start down the dark path, forever will it dominate your destiny. Consume you, it will, right? (laughs) Once you start down that path, you got to be careful because it's hard to get out of that negative spiral. But here's the great news. At Stockbridge Community Church, we have great opportunities like our Serve Week coming up, that you can get around other people doing good. You can do some good and get around other people that are doing good because what I found for me is that... When I'm not feeling great about what I'm doing, if I get around other people and we're all doing good together, my attitude changes. I can get myself out of that kind of negative feeling bad for myself thing because I'm out there doing good and surrounding myself with other people doing good. So take a moment and find something amazing you can do during serve week and sign up for that on your connection card. I think it will change your mindset as we go into the Christmas season. If we go back to verse 8 now, it says, we hadn't read this part yet. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother and killed him. And then we pick up here and it says, Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. And famous words from the Bible is, am I my brother's keeper? Rather than being humble in this moment and confessing his guilt, Cain lies God, and then implies God is out of line for even questioning him on the situation, right? Completely question, you know, how dare you even ask me? And I feel like we've all been there before when somebody calls you out on your junk, and you're like defensive about that junk, and then later you're like, oh wait, maybe I should have been so defensive about that behavior. Cain, like us, is so defensive of his sin. Am I my brother's keeper? It sounds a lot to me back In Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve get in trouble for eating from the tree and Adam immediately just throws his wife under the bus like, it was her fault, God. She was naked. She gave me the fruit. I had to eat it because she was naked, right? And so, you know, that's, it sounds exactly like what his dad did, but this is the great part is that God is still pursuing Cain, even though Cain just committed murder and then lied to, to God about it. God is still pursuing Cain. But sometimes we have a hard time confessing our sins, confessing when we've done something wrong. Proverbs says that there is a generation that is pure in their own eyes, but the truth is far from them, right? Sometimes we feel like we're pure, but the truth is, <laughs> we've, we've altered the truth of what's really going on in our life. And I don't understand why it's so hard for us to say those three words. Sometimes I was wrong, but it is very difficult for us to say and I don't know why we also, also also want to find blame with the situation it's like it was somebody else's fault. Well, if this hadn't happened, I would have never done that. If this hadn't happened, I would have never done that, right? I've had employees like that where they're late all the time, but it's never ever their fault that they were late. There was always a reason, a bus, a train, a, a friend, their car. It, there was, they never would take responsibility and just say, I'm sorry I was late. It was always somebody else's fault that they were late. And maybe you know somebody like that, or hopefully you're not that person, but, right? It's like, you know people like that. And so they had, you know, we just have to be careful about affirming people's behavior on that. Maybe that's time for that loving confrontation that we talked about. So in verse 10, it says, the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you're under a curse and driven from the ground which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. So God's had enough of Cain's kind of like, it wasn't my fault, right? So he levies this punishment for him for the sin that he's done. But I look at this as really, his punishment was pretty mild. He just killed his brother and then lied to God about it. And God says, hey, this is what's going to happen. You're going to be banished from the land. And then it's going to be hard for you to farm, right? And really, this is the exact same punishment that Adam got for lying to God. Cain murdered somebody. Adam lied to God. But they bu- essentially, it's just elevated just a little bit. Because Adam was told it's going to be hard to farm. Cain is told it will be impossible for you to farm. Adam's told, you're banished from the Garden of Eden. Cain is told, not only are you banished, you'll be a restless wanderer. You'll never find a home for now on. So for me, I read this, and God revealed to me, God sees all sin as equal. He punished lying the same as he punished murder in this situation. So maybe there's no such thing as a little white lie because God sees all of it as equal as sin. Ouch. Yep. Yep. And so if we get back into the verse, it says, in 13, it says, Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land, and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. This is pretty common when we get caught for doing something, behavior we're not supposed to, sin, we often just feel sorry for ourselves, right? We often start to have this pity party, and Cain all of a sudden says, this punishment's more than I can bear. What do you mean, right? I'm driven from the land. I'm hidden from God. I'm going to be a restless wanderer. People are going to be trying to kill me. Oh, by the way, the only people on the earth were his family. (laughs) Maybe you feel like that because it was Thanksgiving. You understand the maybe want to kill somebody. But anyway, Why is he worried that only people are going to kill him if everybody's his family? So we have to be so careful of this. I read this amazing book recently called The Coddling of the American Mind. And in the book, it talks about how self-talk can lead us into these kind of these negative spirals. There's these things called cognitive distortions. And they can lead to anxiety, depression, and just these terrible feelings that you can have. And there's this one cognitive distortion they talk about that just hit home with me and it's called catastrophizing. And that's exactly what Cain has done here. He has looked for the worst possible scenario that could happen from the current situation. And a lot of times we do that in our own lives. Like something will happen and we jump all the way to the end. Like this is where it all ends, right? I've lost my job, therefore I'll probably die tomorrow, right? It's, It's like We just take everything to the end, and that's exactly what Cain has done in this situation. Cain goes from, you know, I've been banished to somebody's going to murder me. God never said somebody was going to murder him. He just said you are banished, right? And so maybe Cain expected to be punished eye for an eye, as we would call it, but that's not what God had in mind at all. God does something that Cain doesn't expect. God shows grace to Cain, And if we pick it up in verse 15, it says, But the Lord said to him, Not so. Anyone who kills Cain will suffer the vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. God showed Cain grace in this situation. And here's the amazing part. This same God that we just sang about, that same God that loved Cain, loves us. He pursues us no matter what we've done in our past. So let's recap the story. Cain offered a half-hearted offering to God, got called out on it, right? Was angry when it wasn't as good as his brother's, killed his brother for it, lied to God about it, and then complained about how strict his punishment was. Yet God still showed love and mercy towards Cain in this situation. When I came to this church 19 years ago, I showed up here as an atheist. I came to this church just to sit with my wife and, and just appease her. And I'm like, hey, I'll go, go sit in the chairs with you, you know, as much as you want. And so I had no idea who God was. And I certainly didn't understand God's love for me. And so while attending this church with my wife, there, a, a verse popped up on the screen that forever changed my life, and it's Jeremiah 29, 11. And it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. What I learned is that for 30 years, God had pursued me. He showed love for me regardless of what I was doing, what my behavior was, the sinful nature I was in. But in that moment, reading that verse, I knew my life could be better. I realized that God wanted good things for me to give me hope and a future. And I just want to tell you today that same God is pursuing you. Regardless of where you think you are, what decisions you've made, that same God is still pursuing you and wants a relationship with you. So I'm going to take just a moment and say a quick prayer. And and if if you need to say this prayer with me, you can say it quietly in your seat and just repeat after me. God, thank you so much for the mercy you've shown me in my life. God, for, for pursuing me even when I didn't deserve to be pursued. God, for loving me when I was unlovable. God, I know you're that same God that showed mercy on Cain, God, and I ask you to show that mercy on me. God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. God, to, to come into my life and just make my life better, to give me hope in a future. God, thank you for saving me today. In your name I pray, amen. If you made that decision today and you said that prayer in your heart today, I'd like you to check this box that says, I, be, I am praying the prayer to become a Christ follower today so I can pray for you this week. The church would like to send you a little gift to kind of help you on your walk. I think it's so important that as we get ready to go into this holiday Christmas season that we have that relationship with God and that we realize everything he's done with us. So the band's gonna get ready to come up and sing about the presence of God. And I want you just to think about all the mercy God has shown you in your life. And just take a moment to thank him for that. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's sccview.net. And click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.